Good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor of Love and Truth Ministries, and I want to welcome all of you today. And let's welcome our campuses today that are joining with us in Savannah and Cordova and Henderson today. We're glad that they're with us, and we're believing for God to minister to you today as he's already been ministering here, and I'm sure he's done that there as well. We're believing for a move of the Spirit of God. I began a few weeks ago talking to you on this subject, what you need, you already have. And, and I really believe that. I believe that as Christians, as those who have come into the kingdom of God, what we need, God has already given us. He's already placed it in our lives. And so we begin the first week of talking about uh, what was in our mouth. And, and that was an interesting week, wasn't it, when we talked about there's a lot of things in our mouth at times that shouldn't be there. But the Bible says there's power of life and what? Death in the tongue. And, and so we talked about how that the Word of God says that the Word is near you even in your mouth. And, and I talked about how that what's in your mouth is power. And that if we will take the power of the Word of God and we will use it, that as we speak, we literally can create our destiny. We can create our future by the words that are in our mouth. Last week, we talked about what's in your house. Remember the story of Elisha? And this little woman came to him and she said, uh, man, I'm in a mess. My, my kids are going to be taken into slavery because my husband has died. And Elisha looked at her and said, what's that got to do with me? Wouldn't you just like to go to the man of God and just looks at you and says, what are you bothering me for? It's basically what Elisha said. And then he said, what's in your house? And we talked about how she said, well, the only thing I've got is a little bit of oil. And, and we talked about how she took that little bit of oil and being obedient to the prophet uh, that she found herself being taken care of. And we talked about that what's in your house is provision. Whatever it is that you need in your house, there is provision already there. If you'll only understand, you've already got what God wants you to have. Take your Bibles today, go to the book of Exodus, the fourth chapter. And we're going to talk today about another subject, about what we already have. Verse 1, beginning in Exodus chapter 4, says, Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me. Now, this is the setting where Moses sees the burning bush, and, and God begins to speak to him and says, Go and deliver my children. And, and he, as he's kind of going through that, Moses says, Well, what if they won't believe me or listen to my voice? Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? Uh-oh. He set a rod, and the Lord said, cast it on the ground. So Moses cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses freaked. I know that's not what it says, but that's what he did. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Yeah, right. Parentheses, and he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Now, here's what I want to talk about today, and i got a, an assistant here. Um, I, I'm going to talk to you today about what's in your hand. Thank you, Jacob. What's in your hand? God, God shows up, and, he's, and he speaks to Moses and he begins to tell him, Moses, you're, you're going to be a deliverer. You're going to be the, the, the one who, who takes it. And he says, but here's what I've got. I've got a question for you, Moses. What's in your hand? Now, Moses said, well, I've got a rod. I've got a shepherd's staff. But really what Moses had in his hand was Moses had deliverance in his hands. Uh-oh. 
What, what you have today in your hand is you have deliverance. Now, you, you may not think that you have it. I'm, I'm going to show you before we get through this morning that you already have deliverance in your hand. I, I want to tell you something about Moses. The, the purpose of Moses' life was to bring deliverance. I mean, from the very beginning, from the inception in his mother's womb, when he was conceived in his mother's womb until the day he died, the reason that Moses was placed upon this planet was to bring deliverance. Now, that's interesting when you begin to look at deliverance. A lot of times, how many of you have ever heard anybody talk about deliverance? And I'm not talking about the movie. I want you pulling out any banjos or anything this morning, all right? Uh, what I'm talking about is, is having the chains and the bondage broken off of your life. And when, when you begin to understand that Moses is born to bring deliverance, what, what you'll see is, is that deliverance has two parts. We always talk about what we are delivered from. You know, Moses is delivered from death because Pharaoh had said, kill every baby born to the children of Israel. And so, I mean, the soldiers are going out. They hear a baby cry. They're breaking the door down. They're grabbing that baby, and they're killing it. I mean, can you imagine? And, and yet, uh, b- because of that, his mother takes this little, uh, little ark-like thing, puts him in it, puts him in the river. So, so he is delivered from death, and he's delivered from the river. And, th- and that's wonderful. And we, you know, we'll talk about people say, you know, I was delivered from alcohol. I was delivered from pornography. I was delivered from my sin. I was del- whatever it is. And that's wonderful. But there's another part to deliverance. Not only are you delivered from something, you are delivered to something. Not only was he delivered from death, he was delivered to life. Not only was he delivered from a river, he was delivered to a palace. Now, I don't know about you, but I found out a long time ago, it's better to be at the palace than it is at the river any day. And and so Moses has this whole thing. And and, and the Word of God says it this way. Here's kind of translates for us in in our lives today. John 10.10 says, For the thief comes but for to kill to steal, destroy. So that's what we're being delivered from. We're being delivered uh, from that which kills, that which steals, and that which destroys. But Jesus said, I am come that you may have what? Life, and that life more abundantly. And so I'm delivered from death. I'm delivered from that which steals, kills, and destroys, but I am delivered to life. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, some of you need to get that. You may have been delivered from, but are you delivered to where you can live that abundant life, the life uh, that Jesus Christ has come to give us? See, here's here's the deal. We've got to understand that freedom from what has kept me in bondage is what I'm looking for. Whatever it is in my life that has kept me in bondage, I'm trying to get free of that. How many of you have ever experienced any bondage in your life? Come on, fess up at church. It should be 100%. All right? And, and those, if, if you saw somebody didn't raise their hand, let me tell you what they need to be delivered from. <laughs> Lying. <clears throat> the, the whole process here is, is this, is that 
We, we need to have freedom to live life in God. That John 10, 10, abundant life, abundant living that God has called us to. And so when, when we understand that, we begin to do things a little bit differently. We begin to move in a little different way. When, when you begin to look at this passage and you begin to look at this story, this is not the first time that God's kind of shown up in somebody's life and said, hey, what's in your hand? I mean, he, sh he showed up with David one day, and, and there's a bear coming out, and there's a lion coming out, and he said, hey, David, what you got in your hand? He said, well, he said, I got a sling, and then he said, that's enough. In fact, a sling can make you a king. I I've said for years, David didn't have but two things in his whole repertoire. He had a, a slingshot and a guitar. I mean, that's all the guy had. It took him all the way to the palace. So you don't have to have a whole lot. You just have to know how to use what you've got. I mean, another time in, in the life of another man of God in the Scripture is Samson. And Samson's out there, and all the Philistines are coming against him. And, and the Lord said, hey, Samson, what you got? And he said, well, all I got is the jawbone of a donkey. That'll do. I, I'm keeping it clean because that's not what King James says. And, and he said, I, I can take it. I, I can use it. And, and God helped him in, in, in using the jawbone of a donkey. He slayed a thousand Philistines at, at one moment. A, a little boy one day in the midst with, with the, the crowd that had showed up to hear Jesus, and, and everybody's saying, man, what are we going to do? What are we? And this little boy says, well, here's what's in my hands. I got some saltines and sardines. And Jesus took saltines and sardines out of his hands, and they had fish and chips Sunday. 5,000 men and their wives and their children eat from what was in the hand of a little boy. See, so often we negate what we have. We feel like, well, it's not much. It's just a staff. It's just some wood. It really is not. Lord, how are you going to use this Hey, Moses, what do you got? I got a rod. I got a staff in my hand. And so what we begin to see is how deliverance comes into our life as we take what's in our hand and we begin to use it in the kingdom of God. Now, let me give you three things today. All right, look in Exodus 4.2. It says, so the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? And Moses said, what? A rod, a staff. The first thing you've got to do, if you want to experience deliverance, you've got to know what you have. And now, don't miss it because of the simplicity of the moment. You've got to know what you have. It's just a rod. It's just a shepherd's staff. It's not really, I mean, you look at this and you go, okay, it's some wood. What's so great about that? It's not what's in the wood. It's what the wood symbolizes. See, a shepherd took special pride in his staff. He, he didn't just walk out into the woods one day, pick up an old dead branch, say, this will be good enough, I'll just use that. No, there was something about it. In fact, uh, when you begin to study how shepherds would, would pick out what their uh, staff, shepherd's staff would look like, is that they would go into the woods and they would find just the right sapling. And they would cut that sapling down, and then they would, would whittle it to just the right look. And then they would, they would make sure that it was dried out properly where it wouldn't crack and break apart. And, and then literally they would use that staff day in and day out. 
they would, they would get comfortable with it. It would fit in their hand. It would, it would be almost as, as though it was a second part. of the, It was almost like a third arm for them. When that uh, sheep would begin to stray, they'd take, take that shepherd's staff and they would just bring it right back in line. Maybe if a, if a sheep fell over the side of a cliff, most shepherd's staff had a crook in them. They weren't like this. It would re- they would reach over the side, and they would reach down, and, and they would pull that little sheep back into the, to safety and back into the fold again. What is in your hand? Pastor, I don't have very much. I don't have anything that's really vital. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, Moses, watch, watch this for a second. Moses had been educated in the greatest schools of the day. Moses didn't say, well, I got a great education. I was raised in Pharaoh's palace. Pharaoh's daughter will call me her son. Moses, what do you got? A shepherd's staff. You know what the Bible says? Not many mighty, not many noble, not a lot of greatness does God take and use? He uses the simple. The Bible says it this way, little is much when God is in it. And so a shepherd would practice day in and day out with his staff. He, he would use it because he knew that life and death depended on what he did with that shepherd's staff. He learned how to control it effectively. He learned how to make it work just right and, and to use it in the manner that it needed. And, and, and so what I would say to us today is if you want deliverance in your life, if you want to move in to a place of freedom in that John 10, 10 abundant life, you've got to find out what it is that you have and then you've got to work with it and you've got to see it move forward in your life. The second thing uh, is just another couple of verses there. Look in verse 3 and 4. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said, pick it up by the tail. Now, I want to take just a moment here. Because he has had this staff probably for 40 years. He has dropped this staff on many occasions. And you are sitting there today, and those of you who are watching today, you're saying, is he going to be that good today? Hang on. It might freak us all out. But Moses had never seen the staff turn into a snake. Because Moses had never used what he had in his hand in a spiritual way. See, there are things in our life that we have that all we see is the natural implement. Well, I've got this education. I've got this business. I've got this idea. I've got this personality. And so we use it from that dimension, never understanding that if God comes along and says, throw it down, you looked, I saw you. Boy, I am good. I'm not that good. I saw people going. I'm going to tell you, I'd be wanting to find the back door if it did. Right? I mean, I mean, Moses, he throws it down. It turns into a snake, and the Bible says he fled. 
He booked out of there. He said, I, I don't know what that is, but I've never seen that before. See, you've got to come to that place of understanding that when you begin to use what you have had in a spiritual way, it will produce fear at first. When God comes along and takes an anointing, an ability, something that you have, and then he begins to pour his spirit upon it, you say, well, I, you know, I went to college to learn how to do this and, and, and this, this, this. I, I remember years ago I was in a, one of my building programs uh, and before I came to Jackson, and I was, I was dealing with a guy who was a, a very successful businessman. And so he was helping me in some things, and I began to talk to him one day. He was a Christian. Uh, he was a believer. And, and he began to tell me that he was in the stock market real heavily. And I said, man, how's that working? He said, well, and he told me, and, and he said over the past, I think it was the past five years, how many millions he had made. And I said, well, it sounds like it's working pretty good. What's wrong with y'all? I mean, it sounds like it's working pretty good. Thank you. Like a little response when I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. And uh, I said, well, how did you do it? He said, you really want to know? I said, yeah. He said, well, he said, before I buy a stock, he said, I pray about it. And he said, if I get a sense of hesitancy or a sense of, uh, you know, a, a little bit of uneasy, he's, uneasiness, he said, I won't buy it. But he said, if I have peace about it, he said, I'll buy it. I said, well, that's great, but how are you making your money? He said, well, he said, I'll pray over my stocks every day. He said, and when I begin to sense an uneasiness about a certain stock, he said, I'll sell it. I said, how's that working for you? He said, I've made millions. And I stood there that day and I thought, I don't think that will sell in the business section of Books A Million. <laughs> Here's the book. Here's how you can make millions in the stock market. Three pages. Pray about it. If you get peace, buy it. When you don't have peace, sell it. That will not be a number one bestseller on the New York Times bestsellers list. But it was a believer who took a natural ability and allowed God to use it spiritually. And I guarantee you the first few times he used it, he was fearful. But as he began to use it, See, here, here's the deal that I've learned, is that failure is a process of learning. People say, well, I've never failed. Well, then you've never tried anything. The only people that aren't failing are those that are six feet under. I need to clear that up. Those who are dead don't make mistakes. The rest of us, we're going to make mistakes. People ask me at different times, pastors ask me, well, how, how do you do this? How do you do that? How do you get a church to grow? And I go, I don't know, but I can tell you a hundred ways not to get a church to grow. I mean, I, I know every failure we've made in 10 plus years uh, of ministry here in Jackson and on top of that, uh, throughout 30-something uh, years of ministry in my life, I know how to mess it up. But I've also found out that if you just keep on, God will begin to teach you. And here's what I found out about God is that God teaches you in the secret place. I mean, Moses is out there, excuse me. Moses is out there away from everybody. God does not call him to Pharaoh's court and then say, throw the staff down. God's got him on the backside of the desert, and he says, let's try this for a while. And I'm going to guarantee you, the first time Moses throws it down, I think it takes him 15 to 30 minutes to pick it back up. 
Come on, I don't like snakes. If you like snakes, something's wrong with you. <laughs> but it's a non-poisonous snake. The only good snake I know is a dead snake. So don't be bringing me your pet rattler or your pet whatever. If I've got a gun, I'm going to shoot it. And, and so he throws it down, and he, you know, after that snake, I mean, you've ever been around snakes? Snakes are creepy. Snakes are full of the devil. And Moses goes, I guarantee you he didn't just run over and go, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, I got it. Yeah, I heard T.D. Jakes preach years ago. He said, you, you may see my glory, but you don't know my story. You know, when he shows up in Pharaoh's court, I got it. Boom, out of there. Oh, wow. You should have seen him on the backside of nowhere. See, God always teaches you in the secret place. And, and some of us need to learn to go back to the secret place so God can take what he has given us and so that he can use it for his glory. But through the process, I believe, of a few hours, Moses got very comfortable in picking it up and using it to see what God was going to do. It's up to you whether or not you are willing to allow the Spirit to take what God has already given you in the natural and to put His blessings on it. See, you, you, you may be a doctor or a lawyer or some kind of professional here today. You, you've, you've got great training. You've gone to school for, you know, 700 years, some of you. But you can take that knowledge that God has given you, and you can add the dimension of the Spirit. And all of a sudden, God can begin to do things that at first may be fearful. But as you move forward with what God has called you to do, you'll begin to see the glory of God. Exodus 4 or 5, the third thing, he says that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. He said, I'm going to give you a sign. I'm going to give you something that when it is in your hand and you use it right, it's going to show forth the power of God. The third aspect of this is, is that what's in your hand eventually God will receive the glory for. See, it's not so that you can say, look how cool I am. Woo, I can do the snake thing. Right? I mean, the snake thing was cool, but other guys were doing the snake thing. Read the story? Shows up in Pharaoh's court and goes, hey, I, I show you God sent me. Boom. Ah, man, that's cool. But, hey, guys, sorcerers, soothsayers, come in here. Do your trick. Wow, he, boom, there it is. Same trick. Now, it's kind of interesting that his snake ate up all their snakes. And when he picked his back up, they didn't have anything to pick up. But he had to be willing to understand that there was an anointing on that rod, on that thing that was in his hand that God had given him. Some of you have been given ideas. You've been given thoughts. You've been given talents and abilities, and you've used them greatly in natural settings. Some of you have been quite successful in natural things, but what if you would allow God 
to supernaturally come down on that thing which you are so comfortable with and see what God can do. The interesting thing is this, is that the Bible says it this way, and I've used this in a negative sense in times. The last day of Moses' life, the Bible says, and Moses leaned on his staff and he died. And I've said that's why pastors can't lean on their staff sometimes. Y'all, all right. But it's more than that. It's more than a good one-line punch for me. What it shows is, is that that anointing lasted throughout his life. For the next 40 years, everywhere he went, he still had that anointing. The great thing also is, if you read the Scripture, you find out that Aaron has a shepherd's staff. And all of a sudden, you see Aaron start to do things with his shepherd's staff. In other words, the anointing is transferable. Once you have it, it's not just for you. It's so that you can pass it on to somebody else. If God has delivered you from a certain lifestyle or a certain thing in your life, it is up to you now to release that same anointing to somebody else who is in bondage to the same thing that you used to be in bondage in so that you can see them get deliverance just the same way that you got deliverance. It's what God is doing in your life. So as we see that, it, it's interesting. God calls him before the Red Sea, and he says, uh, stretch out your staff. So he does. And the Scripture says that as he stretches out his staff, the waters part, and they walk across on dry land. A little bit later, everybody's complaining. They're in a desert. There's no water to drink. And God says, strike the rock. Wow. Hits the rock, and guess what? Water starts coming out. And say, what's the principle there? Here's the principle. The anointing grows with use. The more you use what God has supernaturally empowered, the more it grows. He goes from a snake to creating a pathway through a sea, hitting a rock, and performing a miracle of water that the Scripture says that rock followed them through the desert. Can you imagine that? I mean, can you imagine going two miles down the road and you look around and there's rocks coming behind you? Come on, y'all don't read the Bible with any humor. Hey, Mom, that rock, it's coming. It's the anointing that takes the natural and makes it supernatural. It's the anointing of my life. It's the anointing of my abilities. It's the anointing of what's in my hand that brings deliverance to my circumstance. There's, there are some of us today, if we're truly honest about where we are, we'd have to say, you know what? I'm in a place of bondage. I mean, Moses for 40 years had been on the backside of the desert in a place of bondage. And yet in a moment, God takes what he's got in his hand, what he's been comfortable with, what he's used now for all these years, and God says, I'm going to anoint what's in your hand 
and I'm going to use it not only to deliver you from the backside of the desert, but I'm going to use it to deliver one to three million Israelites who have been crying out for deliverance for 430 years. Could it be that there's something in your hand that God wants to use today, not just so you'll have a cool trick, not just so you'll go, wow, watch this, I can do. No, no, no. That literally, that there are hundreds, maybe even thousands, could we possibly say tens of thousands of people who are waiting on you to use what's in your hand because once you use what's in your hand, God's going to take it to bring deliverance, not only for you, but he's going to use it to bring deliverance for people that you may not even know, people you may have never encountered, and God's going to take that thing. And so instead of us just going through life and kind of just living life in and, and the ho-hum realm, well, I'm just here for 70, 80 years, and I'm going to die and go home and be with Jesus. Could it be that we say, you know what? Whatever time I've got left on this earth, I'm going to figure out what it is I've got in my hand. Because not only do I need deliverance, not only does my family need deliverance, but there are people who are waiting. And they're waiting for somebody to show up who knows how to use supernaturally what God has given them. I mean, could it be that God has given somebody an idea here that could set people in poverty free in this area? Could it be that God has placed something inside of some of you today that would minister to those who are broken and hurting and destroyed? And all of a sudden, if you would take what's in your hand, God could raise up people who nobody else cares about. I want to tell you something. There's nothing any greater than using what's in your hand for the glory of God. Because when you do, you see the presence of God come in and enable you to go to places and to do things that you never dreamed possible.